0: take over the meeting now. Might as well, until somebody important gets here. Anybody got any questions on anything I said this morning? Yes, sir. Oh, thank you. Anybody here ever seen a UFO? Anybody ever seen one? Yes. and hmm. bring to it as science fiction. and uh How can they, they do that? about the people who have supposedly had these experiences uh being on hallucinogens or drugs or something. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, you know, immediately uh it's happened so much in rural uh, areas, you know. Yeah. People in rural farm communities, you know, they're not drug takers. It's How can a $50 million United States Navy jet fighter be on hallucinogenic drugs and record the three videos that released, the gimbal, the tic tac, and the go fast. And something that has just come out about the go fast UFO is that when you watch that video, they call it go fast because the guy's trying to use his, I I, I guess his system to zero in and and get a lock on that target, okay? Because that's what their computers do. When you look at that at that GoFast video, that UFO travels across the top of the water and then underneath the water at the same speed and never makes a wave. But you can clearly see the waves on top of the UFO, and then it comes out on top of the water again, and that's when the guy gets his, his jet to lock in on it. That's when he says, bingo, I got it. That thing traveled underwater, violating the laws of physics. Okay? If you hit the water in anything traveling at that speed, it's going to tear it it's going to tear it completely apart. Okay? So that's my that's my point. People who say things like that, forgive me, are ignorant, willingly ignorant. It's because they have a personal agenda because their science won't allow for that, and so that they have to come up with something that people are on drugs, or people are hallucinating, or whatever. But now we have, now, and, and more video, more photography and more video from the United States Navy, the Air Force, our armed forces, those things are going to come out more in the future. And you can't say that a $50 million jet was taking LSD. Okay, or, here's, or what they're saying is that, that it was some kind of glitch in the system. If, if, our, if our top gun flight guys on these carrier groups are having glitches like that on our most expensive jets, we're in trouble. We're not defending our nation. So all of their arguments fall right in the trash can. As soon as it comes out of their mouth, it goes right in the trash can because none of them make any sense. Okay, so we're not dealing... That's why I said, do you believe in Santa Claus? We're not dealing with Santa Claus. We're not dealing with the Easter Bunny, okay? We're dealing with something that I'm sorry, but if you don't believe in it, get with it. Too bad. Because they're real. They're in the Bible. And I absolutely believe that they are part of what God is going to bring to this earth uh, in the form of the fourth kingdom, Daniel chapter 2, because their agenda, John Mack, who um, was the Harvard psychiatrist, and they tried to fire him, because he, um, he started investigating abductions, and um, a Harvard, he was the head of the psychiatry department at Harvard, okay, and um, the Harvard, Harvard Law said, uh, you know, we are a seminary, so you can talk about angels and devils, but you can't say aliens, here at Harvard, okay? So they formed a committee and was gonna throw him out. But they finally said, you know, we can't legally get rid of him. He has a right, he's the head of the department, he has a right to do with it what he wants to, and so if he wants to investigate this, let him investigate it. So after, he had 100 people that he did uh, hypnotic regressions on, and all 100 of them had almost the identical story that they were taken in the middle of the night against their will, they had missing time where they didn't remember anything that had happened, but only un- after hypnosis. They were all taken aboard by these little gray children looking with these big head things, big, big unblinking, black, almond-shaped eyes. Um, they were taken aboard there. Uh, skin tests were done, pro- probes were put in, Uh, And in every case, in every case, if it was a woman, they were taking eggs. If it was a man, they were extracting seed. And every one of them said that they were told that they were going, that they were being part of a project to hybridize human beings with alien DNA. That is Daniel chapter 2, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. That's what that is. And then John Mack got called out to uh, Zimbabwe because in elementary school out there, it was both white and and, and black students, uh, and they speak English, and um, during a a teacher's meeting, a hundred of the kids were out on the playground. A saucer landed just beyond the playground. 62 of the 100 kids saw it, and they all reported it to the teachers. John Mack flew out to talk to each one of these children individually, he had them draw what they saw. He had them write down things that they said. And he said, They're all tell- you can't tell me that 62 kids are all lying and making up the exact same story. He said, especially, you know, he showed up months after it happened. And he said, they all are telling the same thing. And there's a documentary out now. It's called The Aerial School. Just look that up on YouTube or look it up on Google. The Aerial School, Aerial Phenomenon. And um, you'll see that, that some of those kids now who are adults are still saying, we know what we saw. We know what happened. You're not telling us that we didn't see anything. We know what we saw. And one of the weird things is, when the kids made eye contact with these little gray aliens, the aliens were feeding images into their brains like the end of the world, and like humans were going to destroy the planet, and the aliens were there to put a stop to it. And they're going to be, listen, they are going to be the saviors of Earth. They are the gods that are spoken of in the Old Testament. They're the new gods coming up, and they're going to sell themselves as the saviors of the Earth. All right, go ahead. Yes, All right. So go ahead and get your money ready. We'll talk about it later. Heres Michael. It, it, it. Uh, it's going to be about six hours, I think, on those DVDs, six hours okay, of teaching I on there.. A little bit more light here, so I can there we go. All right. Good to be back. Appreciate everybody coming back. Uh, and the, I tell you what, one of the worst times to speak, I've spoken a lot of conferences and camp meetings, everything like that, is when everybody comes back from dinner. <laughs> Belly's full. It's nap time. <sighs> so, all right, I'll, you get that sleepy eye and just don't, just don't mind me. I'll just keep on talking, all right? Uh, something I want to mind the Lord something that's been bothering me since uh, I spoke this morning I, I had you I think I had you go to uh, second Thessalonians or I meant to if, if you take your Bible turn to second thessalonians i 'm going to tie in uh, what I said this morning with uh, what i 'm going to talk about now and um, uh, I asked people this morning if you, anybody uh, believed in Santa Claus or the Easter bunny. I'm going to ask you now. Is anybody here a Roman Catholic? Are we? Do we have former Roman Catholics? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, huh? Well, just hang on a second. All right. Um, we we have two radio stations in Kenya. One in Samburu, Kenya, and the other one in Turkana, Kenya. Those are remote areas. You probably never heard of them, so don't feel bad. But especially in Turkana, Kenya, the Catholic Church hates my guts. They went to our radio station office, and four, four Catholic priests, and they said, uh, yeah, we're hearing this guy, this Mazungu, that means white man, uh, on the radio, and he's saying things about our Catholic Church, and we don't like it, so we want you to take him off the air. And the station manager said, we can't, he owns the station. <laughs> so... They, um, they, they ran us out of our office. They bribed our landlord, and they ran us out of our office. So we had to move, but God blessed it because we got a bigger office and a better office for less rent. That's just God. God, God is good. God's better than the devil. Amen? Amen? And so what they did was they said they were going to use it to store food to give out to people. Now, Turkana is a desert. God laid it on our heart a couple years ago to start feeding some of the people in Turkana last year. Uh, this And the glory goes to God, not to me or not to our church. God God blessed us with the ability to feed 60,000 families last year in Turkana, Kenya. Now, they're in one of the biggest droughts. It's kind of like here and everywhere else in the Midwest. We're having a big drought. And they're in one of the biggest droughts that they've ever had. And people are dying like crazy. The Catholic Church did fill those office spaces with uh, corn uh, and probably some, maybe beans or something like that. But they let it rot inside that office, and they took it out and burned it all. I made that announcement. I said that in some of my sermons. All my sermons go out over the air in Turkana, Kenya, and they heard it, and they got mad, and they have retaliated against us Uh, a couple of times since then. I cannot tell uh, publicly how they've retaliated against us, but they are very evil men, very evil men. I found out... A few years ago that less than 10 miles from my house in Jefferson County, Missouri, is a hideout for pedophile priests. There is a Catholic renewal resort uh, place out in western Jefferson County, where uh, I live in Jefferson County, south of St. Louis, and um, it's a place where Catholic families, Catholic priests can go, they have hiking trails, they have a nice lake, you can go and rest, and they have conferences there all the time. Right next to it is a place where they have 48 beds for 48 pedophile priests. Four of them, at the time I did these videos, four of them were legally registered in Jefferson County as pedophiles, sex offenders. Uh, I know the person who, I won't say who it is, but I know the person who updates and renews their registration every year, and she can't stand it, because she knows what they're there for. They, are, they, they hold up four of the bed spaces there at that center. It's a high security center. However, it is right next to the Catholic Renewal Center, and I didn't see, I've, I've got video of the place. I didn't see any, any gates and bars and fences and everything like that. They kept it. They're less than a mile from a public elementary school. If that tells you anything. And all the beds are full. That, was, uh, that made the local news in St. Louis several years ago. They reported on it. Uh, I already knew about it. It's a place called Il Retiro, which means like a retirement place. And they're hiding out 48. The place is full. They're hiding out some 48 pedophile priests. Like I say, four of them we know by name because they had to legally register. The rest of them. The Catholic Church loves to take these priests and sh- do, the, do the shuffle, they call it. The pedophile shuffle. They'll take a priest, and once people start complaining about their sons are telling them what, there's, what the priests are doing to them, then the, it gets reported. The archbishop usually takes the priest, moves him to a different archdiocese, And tells him to get help, but doesn't restrict him in any way. So he goes to another archdiocese. He does exactly the same thing there. Only he's probably better at it now and better at getting away with it. Then, once it gets known there, the archbishop moves him to another diocese. He then does it again. And you have priests who have been to four and five different dioceses. And they have molested children in all of them. This is, the, this is the Catholic church, the largest church, I guess, if you want to call it, in the world. And I'm here to tell you, it is a habitation of devils. Say corn. corn. Yeah, right. 2 Thessalonians 2. Um, let's pick it up in verse 7. And like I say, this will work for what I said this morning. This will work for... What I'm saying now, for the mystery of iniquity, uh, notice I'm a numbers guy. I do count it. I know Noah Hutchings uh, did as well. He wrote a book, a really good book called God the Master Mathematician. I've written two books on Bible numbers, and I, I just study things. Uh, the number 22 is the number for Revelation. It just happens that the book of Revelation has 22 chapters in it. Revelation is the 66th book. That's 22 times 3. And in the King James Bible, you're going to find the word mystery 22 times. And every time you read the word mystery, the Bible is going to tell you what the mystery it is. Paul said, Behold, I show you, uh, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed. Beloved, be not ignorant of this, min- of this mystery. And right here, he's going to explain the mystery of iniquity. He said, The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked, notice in your King James, that is a capital W. Those translators knew exactly who they were talking about. They were talking about the Antichrist, the the wicked, that wicked, be what? Revealed. Isn't that something that here you have the word mystery describing him and it's revealed, isn't it? I'm telling you, every time the word mystery is in the Bible, it reveals what the mystery it is. In other words, if you read the Bible, it won't be a secret to you what it is and what they're referring to. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. You know what the spirit of his mouth is? The word. Um, and, and this shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan. When you look in Revelation 13, John is describing the beast that comes up out of the sea. And he has seven heads and ten horns. And that beast, the dragon, gives him his power, his seat, and great authority. So that verse matches what we see here in verse 9. Is that that wicked is going to come after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying Wonders, People, God always had something to say. Jesus had something to say about the people who always seek after a sign. You have whole uh, swatches of Christianity that are all about signs and wonders and miracles. And they won't believe anybody unless they do signs or wonders. And Jesus warned us about that. Paul warned us about that. Deuteronomy 13 warns us about that. You want to believe in God? You want to see signs and wonders and miracles? Read your Bible. There's a bunch of them in there. Amen? And you can trust those. Now, verse 10. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. What is the truth? Thy word is true, Jesus said in John 17, that they might be safe. So they don't want anything to do with the Bible. They don't want, And believe it or not, you've got churches that now don't want anything to do with the Bible. Uh, God bless Brother Noah Hutchings. I loved that man. And I love the stand that he took against all the Rick Warrenism, the seeker-friendly rock and roll megachurches, Joel Osteen. Listen, if you get mad at me, just get in a long line of the people that got mad at me, okay? I found out that my job is to not make friends. My job is to tell the truth. I'll make friends of people who want the truth, okay? But these people are lying through their teeth. Actually, some of them are practicing a form of witchcraft. I'll show you that in a minute. Um, In those that, that might be saved. Verse 11... Guess what 11 is? Guess what 11 means, the number 11? It's half of 22, isn't it? Very smart. You graduated third grade, didn't you? Talk on you. Yeah, you're the I in Iowa, i tell you. Um, Genesis 11. What's in Genesis 11? Does anybody know? Tower of Babel. Thank you. Tower of Babel. What, so what theme would be associated with 11. What did God do in Genesis 11? Confused their languages, didn't he? So they didn't know what each other was saying. So look in verse 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong what? That they should believe a... He said a strong delusion. It's going to be a very powerful delusion and a very powerful lie. And I believe that only the very elect will not be deceived. Very means truly. It doesn't mean I'm more saved than you are. There is no levels of salvation. Corn. Amen. All right. I'm recording this. I'm going to send this around the world and people in Australia are going to go, blimey, the Americans are crazy. (laughs) Crikey. All right. So don't believe the lies that the gods are going to tell when they show don't believe the lies now that the Vatican tells. I, um, I have with me, uh, somebody sent me a Catholic Bible. And at the front of this Catholic Bible, it had this article in here, that's an older Bible, about what the Mass means. This was written by Catholic priest, approved by the Catholic Church. And I'm going to show you some things that maybe you didn't know about the mass. A um, couple years ago, well, several years ago, I was doing a prophecy conference. Southwest Radio was there in Dallas, Texas. Hutch was there in them. And a lady came up to me and she said, Pastor Haggard, I love your videos, and I just want you to know, I you know, appreciate everything you say, but I, you happen to be wrong when you talk about Catholicism. You're wrong. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, God help me, God help me, you know, shooting flare prayers to God. Psh, hey, help me out here. And um, so the Holy Spirit said, ask her this. And so I said, ma'am, I want you to do something. Next time you go into your church, I want you to look around and count the number of statues that are in your church. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, the commandment that said, and she said, I know, I know. Our priest told us that we're not to bow to images of false gods. I said, ma'am, that is not what the Bible says. And I quoted, I said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, the likeness of anything in heaven or earth or beneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them. You should not pray to them. And I quoted almost that whole commandment. And she looked at me like she had never heard that a day in her life. The priest told her what to believe. She believed it. She wanted to accuse me of being wrong. I quoted scripture. She'd never heard it before. I pray that she goes home, reads her Bible, and decides that her Catholic church lied to her. That's just one thing they lie about. So let's, let's move on. Uh, Brother Josh, God bless you. You're talking about another Jesus this morning. You had no idea that I had this in my notes. Matthew 24, 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there... Believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great what? Signs and wonders. There it is again. So, how many times do we have to be told the same thing over and over again? Turn to um, Deuteronomy 13. I don't think I have this in my notes either. Deuteronomy 13. You hurry up and turn there. We'll hurry up and get to some more good stuff. Deuteronomy 13. Here's a warning. And God tells you exactly why he even allows this to happen. Because I'm going to, maybe I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit, but not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who attends church is saved. Not everybody who stands behind a pulpit is born again. Amen, corn. God said... Deuteronomy 13 verse 1, if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, there it is again, in what, 10 minutes we've read that three times, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, because people say, well they're doing signs and wonders, that that just shows that God's with them, no it doesn't, the devil can do signs and wonders too. He's got power. He's even got power over the human body. He, can he heal people? He can kill them. And so don't fall for the signs and the wonders. And he said, "And the sign or the wonder come to pass, Where he spake unto thee, saying, "Let us go after who? Other gods, plural. Not singular. Plural. Does the Catholic Church serve other gods? Who is uh, St. Thomas Aquinas? He's dead now. They say he's gone to heaven and he is a god. They may not say that, but they pray to him. Who is St. Joseph? St. Mary. St. Mary Magdalene. St. Thomas. St. Ignatius de Loyola. Did I say that right? Is it St. Ignatius? St. Ignorance. St. Yeah, St. Ignatius de Loyola. They pray to him too. He's got statues. He must be a God. Because they're asking him or St. Christopher or St. Jude to answer their prayers for them. Or for them to go to Jesus and pray to Jesus on their behalf. That's a mediator. That's a God. And he said, let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto that word, uh, the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God proveth you. That's why he allowed it to be sent. God is gonna divide up who is and who isn't. And I think we're gonna be surprised at who is and I think we're gonna be surprised at who isn't because there are a lot more People that are not going than people that are going. Would you agree with that? Yeah. God said, I sent them to prove you. Are you going to follow after these signs and these wonders and these miracle crusades that we're having? Peter Popoff will give you miracle spring water. And that miracle spring water is what unleashes God's prosperity in your life. But if you don't get the miracle spring water, you're going to be poor. Peter Popoff has been a shyster and a snake oil salesman for some 50 years now. And people still believe his lies. Oh, does does that make you mad too? I told you, get in line. The Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and cleave unto him. Either you're going to believe the signs and the wonders or you're going to believe the word of God. But you can't believe both of them. Because are going to take you two different places. 2 Corinthians 11. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. The word as there. It's telling us, go look at how Satan deceived Eve. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so should your minds be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. How old do you have to be before you're saved? Can children seven years old be saved? Eight? Nine? I was Nine? And all they have to do is simply believe Jesus died for them. They are sinners. Sinners go to hell. God wants in heaven, so he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the verse I got saved on. And I believed it at nine years old. And so it is so simple that even a child can believe the gospel. Amen. For if if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus... Not the same one that Paul preached or Peter or James or John. Or if you received another spirit like the spirit of Babylon, which you have not received or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. Paul says, if somebody comes in behind me and preaches something completely different, you'll listen to him, but you won't listen to me. And I'm trying to save your I'm not trying. I'm trying to save your soul is what I'm doing. And he said, Another Jesus. And I'm here to tell you if it's a different Jesus, it will be a different gospel. It will not be the same gospel. If it's a different gospel, it will be a different Jesus. It won't be the same Jesus. And if it's a different spirit than the spirit of God's word, it will not be the same gospel and it will not be the same Jesus. Now, uh, let's go to this. So, the Catholic priest is a wizard. Wizards say, hocus pocus, right? Do you know where that phrase came from? In hoc est corpus meum. In hoc est corpus meum. Who knows Latin? Who knows pig Latin? (laughs) The priest holds up the sun wafer. And says, Here is Christ. It's called the host. But is that really Christ? Can it ever be Christ? So he's offering, if it's a different Jesus, then what is it? A different gospel. Here they have big parades through towns. Europe, they do this all the time in Europe. They do it in South America, Central America, Mexico. Some places in America still do this. They put it in what's called a monstrance. Now, monstrance doesn't mean monster, it means what you to show something. It's the Latin for where we get the word demonstrate. A monstrance. They put it up there. The priest that is carrying the monstrous, notice that he has his hands covered. His false doctrine has told him that his hands cannot be, his defiled hands cannot touch the host which they believe is Jesus. And every Catholic believes this because if you walk through the town with one of these in a Catholic parade, every Catholic, they will genuflect, they will cross themselves, they will bow, they will give reverence to a wheat cracker. But they've been told that it is, even though it looks like a wheat cracker, even though it tastes like a wheat cracker, cracker, even though you burp up wheat crackers, it is the meat of Jesus' body. The flesh of his body, literally. But it doesn't taste like meat, doesn't taste like blood, doesn't taste like flesh, doesn't ta- even taste like chicken. It tastes like a wheat flour. But he has convinced those people that, is, that as soon as he says... Hocus pocus in hoc est corpus meum that he has changed its entire substance over to Jesus Christ. Sun gods were always worshipped, weren't they? Everywhere. By the way, who was back to hearing me talking about the number 33? Notice the Japanese flag? The flag for the Emperor of Japan? Do you know how many red sun rays are coming out? 16. You know how many white sun rays are coming out? 16. Add 16 and 16. What is it? 32. Add now the dot in the middle, the sun. What do you have? I'm going to show you that again in a minute, so just remember it. But Apollo was the sun god. Surya was an Indian sun god. Helios was the Greek sun god. Sol Invictus was the Latin or Roman sun god. The emperor of Japan is the sun god. Utu Samash was the sun god of Samaria. They all worshiped the sun. God said, notice Ezekiel 8, 16. Ezekiel's taken into the court, to the inner court of the Lord's house. Behold, the door of the temple between the porch and the altar were about five and 20 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Sun worship was going on in the days of Ezekiel after, after the exile had started. God said in Deuteronomy 4, lest thine eyes lift up the heaven when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven it should be striven to worship them. Deuteronomy 17, hath gone out and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or the moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. By the way, that is called the host. It's called the host. The host is consecrated, set apart, holy, and is put into a a form of a cylinder or a box of some kind, usually gold covered. Called... Does anybody know what it's called? Well that the Eucharist is the wafer. But what do they what is the box called that they put it in in between masses? The tabernacle. They they put it in a tabernacle made by men's hands. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Acts 17, God made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in the temples made with hands. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands. Hebrews 9, 11, but Christ becoming high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. How many times do you have to be told that God does not dwell in temples made with hands? This temple was made with hands. Christ cannot dwell there. He does not dwell there. The only temple that he will dwell in is the one that he himself made. It's called your body. Amen. Amen. Corn. Corn. Can I show y'all something neat? Y'all understand the word y'all? I want to break off here. Turn to, turn to uh, Revelation 4. I see a rabbit and I'm going to chase it. Y'all, you don't mind, do you? Oh, yeah. This one you're going to like. I taught this. To the people living out in the countryside in Kenya, you should have seen them praise the Lord. I'd said, you know, be honest with you. The world don't think much of the African. But I'm here to tell you that God not only made you as equal as he made everybody else in the world. He made you to be his temple. Let me show you this. In Revelation chapter four, John sees the temple of God in heaven. And he says, behold, a throne in verse two was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. The throne is your heart. When when Jesus comes to live in you, he abides where? In your heart. When you believe in Christ, you believe in Christ where? In your head? Your heart, okay? With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. So the heart is the throne. The human heart has four chambers in it. Four chambers. How many winged cherubs carried the throne of God around? Take a guess. Four is a good number to guess. Four cherubs hold the throne of God. Four Levite priests carried the ark of the covenant of God. What was in heaven matched what was on earth. Then, Look at verse 3. And he said, Upon which look upon like jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like an emerald, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Four and twenty, and then upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. The four and twenty elders sat in a circle surrounding the throne of God. You have 12 ribs on this side, 12 ribs on this side. How many is that? And they circle. The throne of God in your four-chamber heart. Ain't that something? But it, you, we're not done yet. Look at verse 5. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. What does the heartbeat sound like? Thunder. What makes the heart beat? Electricity. Lightning. Where is your voice box? Out of your nose? That's only people from St. Louis. People from St. Louis talking like this. Your voice box is down here where the 4 and 20 elders are and where the four angels are and where the throne of God is. Amen. Oh, by the way, the throne of God was surrounded by a sea of glass, clear as crystal, an ocean Your heart is completely covered by a thing called the pericardium. It's a sack filled with water. Just like the throne of God surrounded by the sea. When they pierced Christ, they run it right up in there. Water and blood both came out. And then in verse... Uh, Five, out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Uh, Turn to Isaiah 11 very quickly, and I'll read those seven spirits to you in case you don't know this. You might want to write this down in your Bible, underline it, and say seven spirits of God. Mike Hoggart said so. Actually, the Bible says so. In Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. It's obviously talking about Christ. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's one. The spirit of wisdom, that's two. And understanding, that's three. The spirit of counsel, that's four. And might, that's five. The spirit of knowledge, that's six. And of the fear of the Lord, that's seven. The seven spirits of God are listed right there for you. Now, back to Revelation. You didn't lose your place in Revelation, did you? You know what the seven spirits of God are in, in this holy temple? And in, in the temple, in the, in the tabernacle, the seven spirits, the, the candlestick was represented as like an almond tree. And every branch, every branch of the almond tree, there were seven branches on this, on this almond tree menorah that they had in the tabernacle. And it, it was fed light and all this fed oil. So they, and they would light the lights in there. That was the only light allowed in there. And on each, each one of the, uh, the candlesticks, there was three decorations, and there were three sets of three decorations on each of the candlesticks. But there was four sets of the three decorations in the middle candlestick. If you do the math, there is a total of 66 decorations on the menorah, the candlestick that was in the tabernacle and in the temple. How many books are there in your Bible? What does it tell you then? That all the way back in Moses' day, God had already ordained. six books to give us the light of the Spirit of God in our hearts. Somebody say whatever you want to say. Hallelujah. That sounded good to me. Do you believe now you are the temple of God? Amen. Oh, yes. Yeah. So God will not dwell in there, will he? Look at that. That is a Polish Catholic church in Chicago. That is the Ark of the Covenant. That is the Scarlet Woman. Who do you think that might be? Uh, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. She was clothed in scarlet. But they say it's Mary. And Mary is sitting where only God is supposed to sit. That is an abomination. I mean, how how far off from knowing the truth do you have to be to put an image of Mary on top of an image of the Ark of the Covenant and pray to it and say, God is okay with this. How wrong do you have to be? She's called the Queen of Heaven. Mary, the mother of God, is intimately linked to the saving work of her son. She is known as the Queen of Heaven. But is she? No. But if she is the Queen of Heaven, then we have a problem. In Jeremiah seven eighteen: the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the Queen of Heaven. So what are those little wafers? Those little wheat crackers? It's dough that has been baked to the Queen of Heaven. Jeremiah forty four seventeen. 17. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven. That's is Israel's response. They said, We'll burn incense to the Queen of Heaven if we want to. And I, I mean, I've got pictures and videos uh, stored in a, in a folder of Catholic priests, even Pope Francis, burning incense and offering incense to the statue of Mary. That's wicked. And God dispatched these people into Babylonian captivity for 70 years over this. He wanted them to learn their lesson. The the Eucharist, here is Christ. It's called the real, this is actually a Wikipedia article, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. They believe that that is Jesus Christ, not represents Jesus Christ, not stands in for Jesus Christ, not. Seems like it's Jesus. It is Jesus. That's what the priest says. And according to his wizardry, that's what he's done. And it's man. I don't know if you knew this or not. Did you know that when the priest first takes the wafer, the little cracker. And he starts to offer it to God. Do you know what it represents? It doesn't represent God's gift from heaven. It represents man's gift to God. They're taking this and they're saying, here, God, take our gift. And they think that God then takes the gift. Here's the hocus pocus words of the Catholic priest. Alakazam changes it into the meat and the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the priest feeds it to the people there that come down. I'm going to show you just how wrong that is. Here's this article that I, I ripped out of a... Catholic Bible. It made me mad. Uh, And I then I think I threw the Bible away. Um, But let me let me read this to you. Um, Let's see here. Um, Where is it? The Mass in Daily Life. At the offertory and at the consecration of the Mass. We have pledged our lives to God in union with the infinite offering of Christ. To live live the Mass means to carry out that pledge in our daily lives. We know that it cannot end as we leave the church. If our self-offering at Mass is sincere, it must prolong itself through the day. Notice they said self-offering at Mass. So the words are the Mass is a drama. We Catholics do not merely watch this drama. We take part in it. The following pages explain the dramatic structure of the Mass and the part we Catholics should play in it. The Mass includes a two-part introduction. Uh, First is the prayer in which we speak to God. Second is the uh, instruction when God speaks to us. And then Act 1 is the sacrifice. You have the Offertory: We offer our gifts and ourselves to God. And it's done in the form of the wafer. The wafer starts out on earth, goes up to heaven, and then comes back to earth, a God, Jesus Christ. Now, what problem do I have that? They, they always refer to that wafer as this is our gift to God, our gift to God. Let me ask you a simple question. Did God require a gift from you when you got saved? No, if you would have offered it, he wouldn't have taken it and he may not have even saved you because you think that salvation can be bought by human ingenuity, human effort, human religion, human words, but it cannot be. It is a free gift from God to offer to us who are nothing, who are less than nothing. It was made for us who could not... I had a guy say this at MUFON. He said, yeah, the Bible says, you know, God helps those that help themselves. I said, the Bible didn't say that. He went, really? I said, I've read it. It doesn't say it in there. I said, God helps those who cannot help themselves. Amen? Corn. Notice Proverbs 17, 23. A wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. And see, the Catholic Church believes that it has the, uh, the market cornered on who goes to heaven. They still sell indulgences. Pastor friend of mine, he knows he, down in farmland in southern Missouri, he knows a lot of farmers down there, a lot of families down there. He's a cattle auctioner and everything like that, so he knows a lot of people. And he said an old, old, old farmer down there died, and he had a bunch of property, and he had three sons. And his widow, and he was a Catholic, and the Catholic priest went to all three of those sons. And the first two sons said they were they would donate thirty thousand apiece, thirty thousand dollars apiece, to get their dad's soul out of purgatory. They went to the, the priest. Went to the third son. <laughs> I won't tell you what, uh, yeah, what words he used to describe his dad, but he said, "Let the be Stay in hell, I ain't paying you a dime. That's what he said. And he didn't. Didn't give him a dime. Years ago when I was a teenager, we had a daycare in our church. Two twin girls, they were about five years old, and they had an older brother, he was about nine. One day, their dad, they had, he owned some, some cattle land in our county, and uh, he had pushed over a bunch of tree stumps, And um, one of the five-year-old twins and the older brother was playing under one of those stumps. And the stump stood up and killed the five-year-old and the little boy. And the Catholic priest, the family was Catholic. Catholic priest went to that grieving mother and said, I'm sorry, but your child was not baptized. So she has no chance of going to heaven whatsoever. However, we can say masses are expensive. Masses cost money, so... We can say masses and get your children. That makes me angry. You're exactly right. And there's more to follow. So... This is a quote. The mode of Christ's presence under the Eucharist species is unique. It raises the Eucharist above all sacraments as the perfection of the spiritual life and the end to which all the sacraments tend. In the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ is truly, really, and substantially contained. This presence is called real, by which it is not intended to exclude the other types of presence as if they could not be real too, but because it is presence... Uh, "...in the fullest sense that it is to say it is a substantial presence by which Christ, God, and man make himself holy and entirely present. They believe it's Jesus." Worship of the Eucharist in the liturgy of the masses. We express our faith in the real presence of Christ under the species of bread and wine by, among other ways, genuflecting or bowing deeply as a sign of adoration of the Lord. The Catholic Church has always offered and still offers to the, the, uh, the sacrament of the church, has al- uh, the Eucharist, the cult of adoration. Not only, see they're a cult. I believe they are the largest cult in the world. Um. A cult is one of the marks of a cult is that it has an absolute hierarchy. There's usually one man at the top, a Jim Jones character or a uh, uh, David Koresh type character, who tells those people every step to take, every move to make, every breath to breathe, gives them the rules to follow, and if they don't follow the rules, then they're out. They're not going to heaven. And so the Pope is that David Koresh. He is that Jim Jones. Um, the church has always understood a real presence. For example, St. Ignoramus of Antioch, who was eaten by uh, Saint Ignatius, sorry, who was eaten by the beast in Rome around 107 AD, wrote the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ. Did you know that by this time? I mean, here's John saying the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. And John was correct. The Antichrist spirit of believing that Christ was really present in the Eucharist was already at work in John's day. Now, the bread and wine are changed into the body and blood at the moment when the priest says the words, In hoc meum corpus est. Which means what? Anybody decipher that? Hocus pocus. (laughs) Uh, let's see here. I have it somewhere. Uh, I can't find it. But anyway, uh, in hoc. Est, this is my body. Okay, that's what it means. So the priest says the words, but where do the words come from? In all of these different writings here. Be pleased, O God, we pray to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall. And then all of these, but none of these words, none of these words are in the Bible. In fact, they didn't get their magic words from the Bible at all. You would think that a doctrine so important as the doctrine of transubstantiation would be all over the pages of the gospel, but it's not. Paul didn't say anything about it. Peter didn't say anything about it. James, John, Jude, nobody said anything about the transubstantiation of the bread turning into the muscle tissue and skin of Jesus Christ. Nobody did. They had to add it later. Uh, it may save us. Uh, let's see here. Holy communion offers us strength called grace to preserve, or preserve us from mortal sin. By deepening our friendship with Christ, this sacrament makes it more difficult for us to break our union with him by mortal sin. That doesn't work, though, does it? Those of you who used to be Catholic, did you still sin? Of course you did. Now, uh, since I got a creepy guy coming down the walkway here, let me... uh, I think this picture is funny because they're warming their hands over the altar. Warming their hands. Okay, that was funny yesterday. Turn to Acts chapter fifteen, and, and I'll um, no Acts ten, and I'll I'll close. Um, if you've ever watched a priest do their thing, everything is orchestrated. Everything's written down for him to do. Before he can touch anything, uh, a boy comes over, and. Um, pours water over his fingertips, and he takes a special towel to dry them. So now his hands have been purified to touch the bread that's going to be Jesus Christ. There is a, the Archbishop of Australia, Cardinal George Pell. Right after saying Mass in, um, for a boys' school in Australia, he caught two boys in the sacristy, which is where the priest changes his robes, ...stealing the wine from the sacramental wine... ...and they were drinking it. George Pell never even, never even paused. He turned the door, shut it, locked it... ...and he said, you boys are in big trouble. He then molested those two boys... ...in the sacristy... ...with him with his sacred robes on. Molested those two boys. One priest... Um, ...during Sunday school went down to a Sunday school class because there was a new boy in the class. And he asked the, the nun who was teaching the class, can I see little Joey? And the nun said, sure. So little Joey went with this old man priest, and the priest took him somewhere behind the, where he could hide from everybody, and he molested this boy and walked him back to his Sunday school class, and then he put on his priestly robes and went out and acted holy. That is, that is a level of satanic evil. That is, you'll, it's hard to find anything worse than that. Now, they take the Eucharist. They cover the chalice with the wine on it because they don't want dust getting in there because you can't have dust in Jesus' blood. That's what they think. So when they break the bread, they break it over the uncovered chalice so that if any crumb, any micro crumb falls off of the bread, it will fall into the cup, and the cup is then consumed by the priest. He then takes the wafer, and he uh, eats it, and then it's time to take the whole thing of wafers and give it out to people. And remember, his hands are the only ones allowed to touch the Eucharist. And so you might remember, I don't know if I have it on here. I probably didn't. Yeah, in hoc es corpus meum, this is my body. Um, This is why the Catholic priest, oh, by the way, Perry Stone. He's fixing to get mad. Teaches the exact same doctrine that he said, he made this boast. He actually wrote a book called The Meal That Heals. And he said, since I've been taking communion every single day, God has increased his blessing in my life. You know what that is? That is a lie. Remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3? Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? By doing right? By eating communion every day? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? By the hearing of Faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And he has bypassed the word of God in his teaching. He is telling everybody, buy my video, buy my books, and don't put them on YouTube because I'll have them taken down and I'll sue you over it. That's what he said. His lawyer said it for him. And he does it, and he tells you that since he started taking communion every day and he's got other people that do it every day and their life, they've gotten richer, they've gotten more healthy, they've got this, they've got that. This is not what God said it was about. It's about this do in remembrance of Jesus Christ and his sufferings. And I get, I get pre-wound up over this issue of salvation. The moment you add a work to salvation, you've got the wrong gospel. Thank you, one person, two people. Now, in Acts chapter 10, very quickly, the issue came up. There was no pope here. Peter was not in charge. Uh, Paul was not in charge. It was James who finally came up with, I think this is what we ought to do. But what you had here, you had the apostles. You had the church elders, the elder men of the church. Paula White wasn't there. Joyce Myers wasn't there. She lives in my county. She doesn't pay her taxes. Of course not. So, you know what? I told you Acts chapter 10. I meant 15. I should have stayed with 15. This is the Jerusalem council. And the question was, should we, now we have Gentiles being saved. Should we compel the Gentiles to be circumcised and follow the law? And one said this and one said that. And finally, James is the one who stood up and said, why are we making the Gentiles keep the law when we never kept the law? Not one person. There is none righteous. No, not one. Sin is a transgression of the law. None of those guys kept the law. So they're saying, now, why do we have to make them be circumcised? Tell me again. They're keeping what law? While we go and break a law, they're keeping, we're making them keep the law. And so finally they said, here's what we're going to tell all the Gentiles. He said, "Um, oh, let's see here. Where is it? Um, Tempting to God, but we believe that. Okay, verse um, 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay, 17. Now I got to find the verse here. Okay, verse 13. 23. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the uh, brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the name of the things by mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost unto us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. There are four things here. And there are four gospel books in your Bible. Now watch this: that you number one, abstain from meats offered to idols. Where is the sacrifice of the mass done when it's done? right in front of a statue of Jesus Christ dead on the cross. But it's not Jesus Christ, is it? How do we know? Because we don't know what Jesus looked like. You don't know what God looked like. So you can't carve an image and say it's Jesus. Because you don't know what he looked like. You don't even know what Mary looked like. So you can make anything out of it and turn it into Mary or Jesus Christ. And it's not Jesus. So number one, they sacrifice the host in front of an idol. That's one thing you're not supposed to do. Then from blood, when they say that the wine turns into the physical blood of Jesus Christ... You now are forbidden to drink it. Old Testament and New Testament both say we're not supposed to drink blood. Number three, from things strangled. Curse be anyone who hangeth from a tree. And from fornication. So here's my warning to you. You're going to get invited to a Catholic funeral a Catholic wedding a Catholic church by family members and they're going to say well aren't you going to do this with us aren't you Christian and you can tell them the truth you can read to them right out of Acts chapter 15 and say it's forbidden of any of us to drink this blood to eat this meat that's been offered to idols and I'm not doing it don't I mean, we're free from the law as Gentile believers. Amen? And yet, our forefathers in the faith sent us down through history four things not to do. And three of them are done during the sacrifice of the Mass. And God said, don't do it. It's as simple as that. That's a different gospel with a different Jesus and a different spirit. Stand strong, people. Because that work salvation is growing beyond, way beyond the Catholic Church into the Protestant churches. God bless you. <laughs> Uh, Michael, thank you for being here. Thank you to your wife. And that that video I was telling you about of the Catholic hideaway where the priests are is on these DVDs. All right, we're going to take...